Welcome to Event Experience by Visibo, the podcast where we bring the best and brightest event experience leaders together to share stories, tips, and lessons learned from creating some of the world's biggest events. I'm Rachel Moore, your podcast host. This week, we're talking with Mita Malik, Chief Diversity Officer of CARTA. In this conversation, Mita shares how her own experiences at events and conferences inspired her to author and publish a book designed to debunk 13 familiar myths about inclusion. If you're an event professional, you know that inclusivity and belonging are crucial to designing successful experiences. So hang tight, because we're going to dig deep into how each of us can build more inclusive experiences for attendees, sponsors, event content, and the world around us. First things first, please allow me to introduce today's guest. She is a corporate change maker with a track record of transforming businesses. She has a passion for inclusive storytelling that has led her to become a chief diversity officer. And her mission is to build end-to-end inclusion ecosystems across organizations of all sizes. Without further ado, I'd love to welcome Mita Malik to our microphones on this podcast. Mita, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me today. Oh, it's wonderful. I would love to let you have a moment to tell our audience and our listeners a bit more about yourself. Currently, I'm the head of equity, inclusion, and impact at Carta. We're a fintech late-stage startup. I think I think of ourselves as being the ally to the founder. We really help innovators create their financial infrastructure. And so we have lots of amazing clients, customers, many of whom I'm sure are listening to the podcast today. And I also consider myself to be a business leader. My superpower is writing and storytelling. And the most important job I have is being a mom to Priya, who is eight, going on 18, Jay, who is 10, going on 20. And so I'm busy with them and trying my best to raise kind and inclusive human beings. You have something coming out later this year. Let Go ahead and tell us really quickly about that because this is going to help bring it full circle. I have a book coming out. It's called Reimagine Inclusion, Debunking 13 Myths to Transform Your Workplace. It is available right now on Amazon from pre, for pre-order. Please go check it out right now, available in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K., working on the other markets. And I wrote this book because I wanted to say all the quiet parts out loud of what holds us back, the stories, the myths we hold on to that really prevent us from making meaningful progress in the workplace. The themes that we're kind of sticking with for this season of event experience by Bizabo is kind of telling, asking people how they're building things, you know, how, and whether it's a, an event or an activation, or in your case, we're talking about a book that you are, you know, you've authored and published but let's let's go to the beginning of this. Yes. So you are in your book, you're um, debunking myths, which means let, let's follow that logically. Uh, that means you've probably been witness to mm-hmm. myths um, or people who believe myths. And um, I'd like to ask you, can you talk to us a little bit about things that you've witnessed at events or experienced yourself at events uh, that, that kind of tie into myths around inclusion? Let's think about conferences that I've been to, that I've attended, and I walk in and I'm the lonely only. I do the scan. I'm the only person of color here, or a very, very few number. And then 
later on, the organizers might say something like in the aftermath, but we, we were intentional. We really tried to get diversity of representation at this conference. And then you ask the follow-up question, okay, well, what did that look like? What did you do? We sent it to everybody we knew. Everybody we knew. We sent it everywhere. In our... So one of the things I do talk about in Reimagined Inclusion is this idea of we can say that we are putting forth the effort and being intentional, but at the end of the day, if our networks look like us, act like us, and think like us, then the hard truth that we're trying to face as a country is that we're self-segregating. And the research shows that over two-thirds of white Americans are still self-segregating. Similar numbers for black Americans. This is that we go back to events. And so you sent this out to everybody you knew. But how diverse are your networks? What's the diversity of representation? And so that I see often happen. I often see another big miss will be there's a panel of all white men or there's a panel of all white women. How did that happen? And anytime I am asked to be on a panel, I will ask who else is on the panel. I have stepped out of panels, respectfully, where there were five people on the panel and, I, and a moderator, and it's 30 minutes. I said, now you just have people up there just to say you have them up there, but even if people are being respectful, no one's going to get enough airtime. So I'm stepping out. Or you actually don't need me. You have another South Asian woman on this panel. I'd like to see you bring in a Black panelist. And I have recommendations. And so that's the work that it takes, right, to be intentional and ask these questions. I, I appreciate so many things you said there. I think all of us have experienced this. How receptive are event planners to you when you do give them the feedback of either saying, I don't think you have enough diversity or inclusion, you know, enough backgrounds on this panel or at your event? Can mm. I recommend people? How do well, they Well, let me tell that? you, you all are in the event business. You're all in the said, experience business. Money talks. You're a sponsor. Anyone who's listening, you're writing a check. I don't care how big or small. You're writing a check. You pay, you play. So you can ask these questions. I'm writing a check. I'd like to look at diversity of representation of speakers. Can I look at the agenda? If it's not built, can I help? I'm very bold and unapologetic about it. And here's the thing. You can't retrofit it. It's really difficult, right? You have to do it from the start. Inclusion is a driver of the business. Inclusion has to happen from the start. And so it is very uncomfortable when you've built a panel of, let's say, five South Asian women. I'm going to use myself as an example. And all of a sudden you realize you don't have enough diversity of representation. Who are you going to ask to leave the panel? That's a tough conversation, right? <laughs> yeah. And so really thinking about these things from the start and being intentional I also, I have so many thoughts I'm going to pause because I have more thoughts on experiences and things that I've saw, seen gone well and things that I've seen gone sideways. You talked about money, you know, and about mm -hmm. how sponsors have power and, you know, you have the power to be able to impact and say it's important. It's a priority for us as we participate in this event. I think too, for attendees, yes. for people who are going to events or more specifically, let's look in the business world. Perhaps you're, you know, you're asking your company to send you or they want to send you to an event, whether you're going to go attend mm -hmm. or you're going to go speak or you're going to go exhibit. And you have power there to say, yes, you do. Are you making sure that, you know, as we are all in this mix together, um, 
what what kind of audiences are you going for? Is this accessible? Are you making uh, making sure that that is re- diversity is reflected in the content? Also, you make an interesting point. Let's say we work together and I write a check on behalf of Carta. We're sponsoring. The other responsibility I have as a leader is to think about who I'm sending from my company. Yeah, How am I right. thinking about who's chosen to event, attend this event? And really thinking about that also, as we do at Carta, as a retention tool, as a way to really honor value, recognize people to say, not everyone gets to go to a conference, but we value you and your contributions and we'd love for you to attend. And so thinking about it that way as well. Can I share with you one of my least inclusive conference experiences and then most inclusive conference experiences? I would love that. And our listeners were too. Let's do this. Well, it's really top of mind for me because the most positive I have had was one was recently. But one of the things I've noticed over the years at conferences, one of the popular things to do is give headshots. And I'll never forget years ago, I was really excited because I didn't have a headshot. And I was like, I'm getting a headshot. For most of my life, I was born and raised in the US, proud daughter of Indian immigrant parents. I go back to photos, Rachel, I either look like Casper the Friendly Ghost, Or I look like a black dot in the back of the elementary school picture because there's a whole conversation around makeup and lighting, right? Particularly for dark-skinned individuals. And it really matters who's behind the camera. And so I'll never forget going to this conference and they actually didn't have, like they were offering headshots, but it was clear the makeup artists and the hair individuals were not ready to help dark-skinned individuals with their makeup. And I ended up looking like quite orange. I'll never forget. And that headshot experience kind of really scarred me because I was like, oh, God, I look terrible. Like, oh, my God. Like Like it was you and not that. Yeah. And we have anyway, a lot of us have issues with how we look. It's like pictures and oh, my gosh. And we're have our self-conscious about different things of how we look. And then this was just exacerbated. And I was like, oh, my God, I look terrible. I hate headshots. Why are you offering headshots if you can't do hair and makeup that fills our needs. So recently I went to the first inaugural conference that Bridge hosted. You can look them up, Bridge, all capital letters. And so I'm there, I do a talk and they're like, would you like a headshot? And I'm like, I'm all set because I've had such terrible experience. They had, oh my God, the most inclusive experience when it came to makeup and hair. And they had the most inclusive experience when it came to the camera and a man of color who was taking photos. And I tell you, uh, these are some of the most amazing headshots I've ever taken. And I just felt so seen. And I was like, wow, what an amazing experience. This was also a conference. So that was my my story about non-inclusive inclusive, but also really small details. Like they picked a venue where they asked for diversity of representation of staff and management that they took a long time in selecting the venue because they wanted to make sure the venue's values aligned with their values. And then they went another step further and made sure all the meals had meaning and were catered from local restaurants, founders of color. There's so many, you think about events and you think about all the moments, those details that you think don't matter that can really make a huge impact on how people feel seen and how they experience the event. You're, you're experiencing all this stuff. You know you are going to create a book that is going to tackle 13 to start, um, 13 myths about how we should and 
how we need to reimagine uh, inclusivity and the myths that, that we buy into right now. From the experiences you had, how did you decide you were going to write this and create a book? I actually have been writing, as my mother reminded me, ever since I could hold a pen, I wanted to be an author. When I left undergraduate school, I had a friend who just started in entertainment. She helped me find an agent. I wrote three novels. And the agent then dumped me because each time I wrote the novel, they had feedback, the editors would have feedback and I just didn't, I was young and stubborn. So I wrote a second and then I wrote a third. I then decided to go to graduate school for my MBA because I was passionate about storytelling and I thought, okay, well, marketing could be a good fit. And then would you believe I leave graduate school and I write a fourth novel and I try to find an agent and that doesn't get published. And then I bury this dream of writing, bury it like a seed as a friend of mine says, and it just starts growing and keeps growing. And then I, four years ago, started writing this book and it took a very long time to get published. And so every myth opens with a powerful story of something that's happened in corporate America. And then I debunk the myth and really live people with tips at the end. Are you self-publishing? I am not actually. I went through a very long journey. I have an agent, but let me tell you, I had lots of rejections. I had people say, have her come back to us when she has a book more like Sheryl Sandberg. There are a lot of people like me to writing books like this. And because I have, have you heard of the rainy day folder? You keep all the like accolades. I have a rejections folder. So I kept all the rejections and I was reading them the other day. And there was one that said, Mita's writing pops off the page. She's a masterful storyteller, but we're unclear as to who's going to buy her book. She can come back to us when she has more followers. And so I keep that just to remind myself, like, I don't take it for granted. I'm not an overnight success. I've worked really hard to build to this and to publish this book. It sounds painful. Well, has it been, I mean, you have a folder of rejections. I, it is how, painful. It is painful. Yeah. Actually, I, some of the people closest to me did not know I was writing a book. And I had people in the acknowledgments who didn't know I was writing a book because I had been rejected for so long that I didn't think it was happening. And my agent said to me one day, well, the art co cover is final. Are you going to tell people? But it's really because I just didn't believe it was happening because I had waited for so long to share this. There are a couple myths that you brought in. Again, 13 in the book that are coming out or that are out rather yes. um, that you could buy. But one of the myths you talk about is, and, and I'm going to read it verbatim. Sure. Of course I support Black Lives Matter. Why are you asking if I have any black friends? So talk to us a little bit about that myth and how did how you debunked it. What's going on? So with that this one? starts with a story that I experienced years ago with a white leader. This is the time of the murder of George Floyd, May 2020, when corporate America finally said black lives do matter. I had a number of white leaders in particular coming to me to say, what can I do? I want to show my support. Many of them wanting to post in social media. And so I had one leader in the story getting very frustrated didn't know what to post, couldn't post fast enough. And I said, well, have you talked to your black friends and colleagues about how they feel about your allyship and what you can be doing? And his response was, well, why are you asking if I have any black friends? I can't say that I support Black Lives Matter if I'm not showing up and being on a journey as an ally to the black community, if I'm not doing the work. I always say, each of us are an ally for someone. Like I said, the only people who can tell you if I'm an ally for the black community are my black friends and colleagues. And I'll do this quick exercise that I do in Reimagine Inclusion with all of you. And Rachel, you can listen in. If you're listening, you can close your eyes. But I ask leaders, tell me where you live. Who are your neighbors? Picture your neighborhood. 
where do you do your grocery shopping? Who's your cashier? Where do you get your haircut? Who's cutting your hair? What are, where are restaurants you go, frequent? Who are the people you hang out with on the weekends? And as you're going through these questions, just sort of close your eyes and, and try to imagine who's there. Last family celebration, picnic, wedding, celebrating life, someone passing. And then I ask the following question, which is, who are the five people you are closest to who were not your family, who you call when you need advice or you have something that you're excited to share? And if they all act like you and think like you, the truth is we are self-segregating in this country. Many of us are. And then we expect to be chasing inclusion in our workplaces. We want diversity of representation. But the fact is many of us are not equipped to lead diverse teams because we are not taking the time to learn about experiences that are not our own. I did want to draw a thread to how this can actually help with how you build more inclusive events because we go back to that first conversation where you're like, tell us about a time you walked into a conference and what happened. And if you are intentionally trying to build relationships, cross-cultural relationships, with individuals who have different experiences than your own or from different communities, you can then easily transfer that into the workplace, into conferences. And so I have on many occasions worked with leaders from Vermont who will say to me, Vermont, by the way, for anyone outside of the U.S. or in the U.S., one of the whitest states statistically, and they'll say, well, what do you want me to do? Move? Okay. So the pandemic has proven this. We are a global digital world. And so LinkedIn is amazing. We actually got connected back through LinkedIn. Like I had known the Bizaboo team over time, but that's how we got reconnected. And so you can meet fantastic people online, digitally, get on social with intent, think about who you might want to meet, commenting, liking, reaching out and saying, would you be interested in getting a virtual coffee? Here are some of the things we have in common. You could also drive. <laughs> Like out of state, you could drive to different locations. If you have the privilege of taking vacations, you could think about where you want to take vacations. You can think about going to a different local restaurant, grocery shopping somewhere else. There are so many ways. And so then what happens, Rachel, is you're expanding your network. One of the other excuses I've heard is, well, like there's nobody from the black community, Asian community, Hispanic community that would be a good fit for the panel. One of my myths around I'm all for diverse talent as long as they're good, the myth we create around the fact that there's not enough uh, oh, diverse myth. talent. I hate that word. There's not enough diverse talent out there. It doesn't mean they don't exist. You don't know them. If you could ideally get your book in the hands of specific roles or people who, who make events possible, who would you ideally love to not only read your book, but also really take the lessons from it and start having, have, have it make them change their approach to building events? The organizers, the sponsors, attendees, people who are helping with the event outside of organizers, suppliers, vendors. I think about all of that. Yeah. Gosh, I just thought about some of the big conferences that have tech crews. Who's, oh. who's running the technology? Have we thought about that? You really could go through the entire experience of, of creating an event, creating that amazing, magical experience. And you could think about every single moment. I've been to conferences where they have in the women's room products from founders of color. Like if you want, you need deodorant or perfume or refresher. And this is maybe like a multi-day 
conference. I mean, it's just in everything that you do, inclusion's a driver of the business. You can have a lens of inclusion. And so it's really, I mean, this book is for anyone who's committed to creating a more inclusive, resilient culture. And culture's not just organizations. Cultures are, you know, you create cultures at events as well. Like you're creating a culture for that day or for those few days. And hopefully people take that experience with them. And they think about how that experience has impacted them to show up differently in their own organizations. I want to get into a little bit knowing more about you, Mita. So um, I'm going to ask you a couple of just things like some of them might feel real random. Some of them might be feel like, yeah, this is, sure. this is relevant. Is there an item that you have forgotten or tend to forget for work events that caused you to be like, ah, cause panic? Oof. Usually my phone. Cause if I'm at events and I want to know the kids, the kids school is going to call keeping in you know touch with my family, what's happening. That's usually the thing that will cause me panic. Is there anything that you're listening to, watching, or reading these days that you can't put down? Yeah, there's two books I want to recommend. My friend Mora wrote the book called The Anxious Achiever by Harvard Business Review Press. And I keep thinking about people have said I've been ambitious my whole life. And I'm like, is it ambition or anxiety that's driven my career? Because I've always been one of the lonely onlys. And I'm, you know, trying to constantly exceed standards. And then my friend Liz wrote a book called I'm Not Yelling, A Black Woman's Guide to Navigating the Workplace. And that is a phenomenal read. And it's not just for black women. It's for everyone, particularly allies, particularly allies. All right. And is there a particular social post or a piece of media or a hot take about events that you found interesting lately? One of the things that I've been fascinated about over the years is um, as administrations change and decades have gone by, the White House celebrations, the volley, Ramadan, Easter egg hunt, like it's pretty amazing. And you see a lot of different people I'll see in social media being like, I was at the White House celebrating this event. It means a lot that the U.S. government is recognizing different religious holidays and cultural moments because it signals again that the demographics of our country have, are quickly changing and we are honoring and including people with different cultural beliefs and religious experiences. All right. And lastly, where can our listeners find and follow you online? Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn. I have a very small account on Instagram. I am on Amazon. So please go pre-order my book, Reimagine Inclusion, Debunking 13 Myths to Transform Your Workplace. And I also have my own podcast with my co-host DC Marshall called Brown Table Talk. It's on Apple and Spotify and Amazon Music. It's really about how we can help women of color thrive at work and we need allies to help. So the podcast is for everybody. It's time to skill up. When we asked Mita what she'd like event planners to know as they level up their approach to gatherings, here's what she had to say. Prepare to go ooh, because it's awesome. Watch for who has access to the mic, right? Watch for who has access to the mic. Like, who are you intentionally or unintentionally putting on stage, giving airtime to, and how does that show up in totality? And, you know, for anyone who's new in the space, why not just go to an event that's not your own and just sit with a notebook and write down everything you see? Just be an observer. You'll, you'll be surprised, right? If you're just sitting there in the quiet and you go there with the intent of 
I want to write down every single thing I see as if you were just transcribing the event and noting everything. And then you come back and you're like, wow, I now have like more than 10 things I would do differently for my event. Thanks again to Mita Malik of Carta for joining us on Event Experience. And thank you for listening. You can find Mita's book, Reimagine Inclusion, Debunking 13 Myths to Transform Your Workplace on Amazon. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love to hear it. Connect with us on social and subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you're listening. Also, don't forget to share the show with your colleagues and friends. You can find transcripts of each episode and key takeaways on bizabo.com forward slash podcasts. On behalf of the team, thank you. We'll gather again soon for a new episode of Event Experience.